it's brought in the Faiskim that the reason for a Shabbos Shrivad Rasha is really to clarify Halacha, especially the Halachas of Yom Kippur, which on the one hand are very severe, but on the other hand, not the only time of once a year, so that people aren't as familiar with them as they are with other halachas. And that's why it's important to clarify the halachas. And that's why every year we try to take a different aspect of the halacha to, to clarify, to discuss. Hopefully, it should be something which we shall know what to do. What I want to talk about today is the halachas of children on Yom Kippur. Now, obviously children are not mitzvah to fast in Yom Kippur, but nevertheless we see that there are a number of already opinions in the Gemara of if children should begin the fast, fast a certain amount, or maybe at certain stages, older children should even try and complete the fast. Also, what's the then of children regarding the other restrictions of Yom Kippur, washing or wearing shoes, and uh, being as Baruch Hashem, the Tzibur here, a lot of Tzalachas are practical for. So let's discuss from the Gemara, the Dinim regarding children in Yom Kippur. So, the Gemara says in Yom that children are not obligated in four of the restrictions of Yom Kippur. Those being eating, drinking, washing, and sikh, which is anointing. One's allowed to give children, definitely little children, let's talk about them first, food to eat or to drink. One's even allowed to wash them according to the Gemara. But the Gemara says that one's not allowed to let them wear shoes. Restriction against wearing shoes should apply to them as well. And when the Gemara questions what's the difference between the previous four restrictions which are allowed and wearing shoes which is forbidden, the Gemara's answer is Hainer of Isayu, which is basically mean this is what a child needs in order to for his general growth, his general routine. It's normal for him. And if that's the case, it's a normal part of what a child needs. We don't have to deprive him of that. And therefore eating, drinking, obviously, but also washing. If that's something which a child will do every day, according to the Gemara, it's considered Revi Sahu, and the child's not obligated in Yom Kippur yet, and therefore he can do what's normal for him. Whereas, according to the Gemara, wearing shoes was not considered a absolute necessity for every child. It wasn't considered Revi Sahu, and therefore the Gemara says children should not be wearing shoes. Now, it's understood that we have to know which category this falls into. Because, as you've often said before, the rule of Chinuch is for a child to do something already now, as a, when he's before the age that he's obligated to do, the same thing that he would do when he's already Barabbas Mitzvah, and then doing that now would be considered training, which is Chinuch, what he has to do when he's older. Whereas doing something now, just as an example, which isn't really doing a mitzvah right now, that's not chinuch. And therefore, let's take an example which is very practical when it comes to Arbaminim. The Gemara tells us there is chinuch for Arbaminim, and therefore, a little boy who's able to shake the Arbaminim, his father is to mechanichim, 
in shaking aluminium. So the question is, can I buy him a non-kosher set? Can I buy him a lemon? It's much cheaper. And you'll get used to the idea of shaking aluminium. And the answer is, that's nothing. It's not chinuch at all. Chinuch means doing a mitzvah now. Not doing something else, which is using a prop, which is uh, similar to the mitzvah. It means something which you would be yotzer with as a mitzvah, and he really does it now as a child. And therefore, if you'd be shaking a set of aluminium, which is a, he could be yotzer with now, so that's chinuch for doing a mitzvah, which will do it when he's older. Whereas to do something which is not a mitzvah now, he's not going to be yotzer with it now, that's not called chinuch, it doesn't... Uh, necessarily help to do something which is just uh, in, similar to a mitzvah he would do in his old. And this applies to other mitzvahs as well. Since the mitzvah of chinuch is for a child to do something which is a mitzvah. And later on as an adult will be obligated to do, not to do something which is similar to a mitzvah. Or reminiscent of a mitzvah. And if that's the case, then when we get to the restrictions of a child of Yom Kippur, so the chinuch would be doing something that an adult would be mechuyiv to do. And therefore a child who is able to fast Yom Kippur if there is chinuch for fasting would be considered a chinuch if he fasts Yom Kippur. A child who something restrains himself from the other restrictions of Yom Kippur that would be chinuch if he would do it the same way that an adult does it. But if it's not going to be the mitzvah either way around then it doesn't necessarily fall into the category of chinuch. And if that's the case, so let's go back to what we said before, What's the discussion of whether a child is obligated in the inuyim on the restrictions of Yom Kippur? If the discussion is going to be, is a child obligated to observe them the same way an adult would, then it would be a question of chinuch, and we could discuss at what stage or at what age is a child able to begin chinuch for what he's going to have to do as an adult. Whereas if you're talking about something which is not what the adult is obligated to, then it doesn't fit into the category of chinuch. And why this is important to understand is because we saw the Gemara said that on the one hand children aren't obligated in any of the restrictions of Yom Kippur, they're children, and therefore one's allowed to let them eat and drink and wash themselves, whatever other restrictions it's going to be. But nevertheless, the Gemara says that one shouldn't let them wear shoes. Now obviously talking about little children, and since the Gemara says that they don't, it's not revisai, or it's not necessary for their development or for their regular growth to wear shoes, so they shouldn't be wearing shoes. What's the problem? If, why, why, where would there be an issue in, in, in letting them wear shoes when anyway there's no chinuch at this stage for Yom Kippur? So we have to say yes, that it isn't one mitzvah called Yom Kippur that a child is either keeping the entire mitzvah or none at all. Rather there's a question of each, each individual restriction of Yom Kippur, there might be chinuch for this separately. And therefore, maybe for the midst of eating and drinking on Yom Kippur, a child isn't able yet to keep. In the same way an adult would, it could be by wearing shoes, he could keep it. And therefore, even if it's not keeping the entire Yom Kippur, the adult's keeping, on each individual restriction, there is a point to a child keeping that restriction as chinuch. The Gemara says, as we said previously, that wearing shoes would be osur, whereas washing would be mutu, because that's what's normal for their growth. But the post can point out that today it's probably the other way around. Because today most children don't need to wash every day. And therefore, even if washing in general is part of their growth, but missing out Yom Kippur, is nothing, nothing's going to happen. And therefore, we don't have a reason for, to allow them to wash, like take a bath or, or whatever it's going to be, on Yom Kippur. Similarly, 
uh, when it comes to Sikha. Normally we don't have that necessity to rub a cream, whatever is going to be, a lotion onto a child every single day. And if that's the case, nothing's going to happen if you must ask me your kippah. And therefore, the person today say that we don't wash or use rub creams or oils into children on your kippah either. Now, when it comes to shoes, it's the other way around. As far as the Gemara is concerned, it wasn't necessary to wear shoes, and therefore it's a restriction we should put on children too. Whereas, the person can say that today, uh, without wearing shoes, a child's likely to hurt himself. Maybe in previous times, people were much more used to walking around barefoot, and therefore they were more careful, or maybe their feet were less sensitive. But today, when people do wear shoes the whole time, that's revisai, or that's normal, where people, where people act. And therefore, if you're going to make a child wear, walk all day or barefoot, he's likely to hurt himself. That you're not mechuyev to restrict a child, or at least definitely a little child, you keep it from wearing shoes. And therefore, today, if there would be no alternative, a little child would be, would be allowed to wear shoes. But the person can say that since today there's so many alternatives, whether it's uh, non-leather shoes or Crocs, whatever it's going to be, that we adults wear also, so one should do the same thing for their children. And therefore, they can, the children can also keep the restriction against not wearing shoes by wearing something else which would be do as good a job of protecting their feet. If we're talking about a little child, and for whatever reason they don't have an alternative, so they was not forced to make them walk barefoot, they can hurt themselves, or the allowed to let them wear shoes. Now, in this sugya, there's a discussion between the Rishonim, and that is, we know that eating in Yom Kippur are daraisa, not just daraisa, if a person does eat or drink in Yom Kippur, it's a chi of kores. The question is, what about the other restrictions of Yom Kippur? We learn them all from the word of what's called an inui, of what's called an affliction, but do we say that they're also daraisa, and therefore a person who would be over on one of the other restrictions of Yom Kippur is being over an isa daraisa? But we say, no, the other restrictions of Yom Kippur are only with Rabbanan. The fact that we found a reference in the Postal, which is called Inuri, is what we call the Nasnachta. Which means it's a reference, but it's not in the same category as an Isra Midaraisa, which the Torah primarily meant. The Rana and the Rosh are both of the opinion that it's only a Rabbanan. What interests us is the proof that they bring. Because it makes a big difference to understand it. The Rana says that it's proof that washing and anointing on Yom Kippur are only Midrabanan is because the halacha we said before that a person is allowed to let their children anoint or wash themselves in Yom Kippur you can even wash them but if asks how can the adult wash them he's washing his own hands at the process but that we could answer using the Bethesda's answer is that he can get a girl to do it we could say he's wearing gloves or something else but the Ran asks the question, and that is, if it had been Issa Daraisa, how would it be mutter for an adult to wash a child? Even though there's no chinuch passing the child, is not mechuyev, but the Ran brings us another Issa called Safinon, which means a person's not allowed to give an, a child something also to eat. It's going to do the dinner of chinuch, the dinner of chinuch is maybe only on the parents, but there's a general Issa of giving a child an Issa, and a person's not allowed to give an Isser to a child to eat, you're making him do an Avera. And if that's the case, says the Ran, if washing on Yom Kippur would be an Isser Daraisa, then by washing a child on Yom Kippur, one's doing the Isser Daraisa of Safinan. One's doing the Isser Daraisa of, of giving the child an Isser. And that's what he wants to say, the Isser is only mid and therefore there's no Isser in washing a child, because Rabbanan didn't make the Gezerah on children. 
That's the opinion of the Ran and that's the opinion of the Rush. Now, there are those Rishon who argue with that, and you have to ask what do they do about this Isra of Safinon. But what's more important right now I want to discuss, and that is, according to the Ran, that for an adult to give something which is also to a child is the Isra of Safinon, and how do we, how we, how are we allowed to give children food to eat on Yom Kippur? Because if uh, one's not allowed to give an Isra to a child, even without the Din of Chinuch, so then by giving uh, food to our children in Kippur, we're giving them an Isra via day. So why is that Mutzah? Now, let's qualify what we're talking about. Let's talk about the child. What is the hats of a children to eat in Yom Kippur? So we have a Mishnah. And the Mishnah talks, uh, talks about a certain stage where we try and uh, lengthen the period of time before we give children to eat. The Gemara says uh, it's time for shows, we wait a bit longer in the day, we don't feed the first thing in the morning. The Gemara says it's from the age of nine. And then the Gemara says a year or two years before the Barabbas Mitzvah, then we can really ask them to complete the fast. Now, why do we start at that age of nine? So, it's an interesting argument between Rashi and the Rambam. Rashi says that from the age of nine, we aren't mechuyev to make them fast, which means we're, uh, we can give, we just make them wait a few hours. The Rambam says that until then we're not allowed to make them fast because it's the suffix of Sakon. So if you're talking about the case of a little child and to make the child fast would be a chashash of a Sakana, then it's obvious that's the reason to break them keeper for anybody's in a Sakana. And if you consider like the Rambam does, the children who are younger, that it's a Sakana for them to fast, and even children who are able to wait a little bit, but to make them wait longer than that, is a sakana as well. So that's the case. Then we not only are we allowed to give them food to eat, we have to give them food to eat. If because otherwise we we're putting them into sakana. But if we if that's the case, then when we say in a case where it wouldn't be a sakana, so then we have a shaila of is it an isra of safina? And as is there an isra in giving a child food to eat, uh, because we're giving him something which is asr, and the case where he's it's not a sakana, he doesn't have to have it. So the example would be, let's say a child who, according to the Gemara, would have to wait a certain amount of time before you give him to eat, and he wants to eat first thing in the morning, he's hungry. So while he's not obligating a kippah, it could be that for an adult to give him food, is giving him something which is also, and then it would be Isra of Safina. Just like the Ran says that there would be, according to the opinion, that washing or anointing or wearing shoes is a derisa, there would be an Isra for an adult to give the child shoes or to wash him because there's no sakana there and uh, you're giving him something which is asked for him. So does the same thing apply to food and drink as well? So really we find this question already discussed in the early Rishonim, in the Chivas of Rabbi Latan. He brings a question, he was directed to him from Rav Moshe Mephantasia, which was another one of the Baleatosis, and he says to him that many of the Oiv de Hashem don't give the children food to eat on Yom Kippur, because they hold, they're giving them a Dabar also. This Isra of Safinan was not allowed to give somebody something which is also for them to eat. And therefore they didn't give their children food in Yom Kippur because they held that there was an Isr in there was an Isr in giving them food. And Abinatam argues with that and Abinatam says it's completely mutter to give children food. There's no Isr at all. And there's no Isra of Safinan either. Why not? So Rabbanatam gives a Svara and he says that the Isra of Safinan is only something which is intrinsically also. There's only something which is intrinsically also. Something which the Torah said that it's also to eat that food. So then that food is something which becomes a Dover Osir and one can't give it to a Jewish child either. 
Whereas Yom Kippur, there's nothing Osir about the food. There's the Isra on the person that he has to fast. And if a child isn't obligated to fast, he's not of the age yet, but that Chinuch applies to him. So there's no Isra in giving him food to eat, which is kosher food. We can add another level of understanding for Benetam, which we've mentioned many times before, and that is that when it comes to non-kosher food, it has an effect on a person's neshama. And if that's the case, even if a person uh, isn't obligated, is a little child, is not obligated to eat kosher food, but nevertheless the children, the parents of those children, are, have to make sure not to feed them non-kosher food, because if they would give them non-kosher food, then we we're giving him something which is going to be detrimental to him spiritually, which is going to ruin his neshama. Whereas eating kosher food in Yom Kippur, we don't find has that thin of being detrimental to one's neshama, and therefore, according to Benetam, there wouldn't be an Isra of Safinon regarding food. Now, obviously, the Ran didn't learn like that, because if the Ran said that on washing, there would be an Isra of Safinon, if it would be an Isra Deraisa, there's nothing intrinsically Osir about washing. It's a special Isra on Yom Kippur. So the Ran obviously held Dr. Omeyemi Fantasia, and that is that he held that washing or giving a child something in Yom Kippur, where the Isra is because today's Yom Kippur would fall into the category of Safina and of giving them a Dover which is also for them as well. But according to Rabbi Natam, the Isra of Safina wouldn't apply at all in Yom Kippur because we're not talking about things which are really also, we're just talking about the Isra of Yom Kippur which applies even to things which are intrinsically mutter and then the Isra of Safina wouldn't apply. And so then according to Rabbi Natam, it's mutter to give children food to eat in Yom Kippur, there's no problem at all. There's a din of chinuch, when, uh, which is when the child's able to do the mitzvah of fasting, so we have to train him how to fast. According to the Ran, there's the Isra of Safinon, and if that's the case, if you're giving a child food to his kippah, it has to be like the Rambam learned that because not to do that would be endangering the child's life. It would be a chashara of a sakana, and if it would be a chashara of a sakana, then we have to, then we'd be mechuyev to give him to eat, just like an adult, when if it be, we would be worried that there's a sakana in making him fast, we give him to give him to eat as well. Uh, just as an aside, we know historically there was a famous argument uh, between the Bishol Salanta and the Basin of Vilna in the year when there was a cholera epidemic in Vilna, and the Bishol held that uh, even people who weren't sick had to eat because to fast could weaken a person and make them more susceptible to cholera, and cholera was for sure an illness which is definitely Sakhanis Nafashis, and the other Rabbanim in the base of the Vilna held not like that. They held that, of course, people who are already sick don't have to fast, but people who are not sick do have to fast. And the way the story is told over, Israel went publicly to a number of shuls in Vilna and then Kiddush and made people eat in Yom Kippur because he held that they were to break the fast, the Sakhanis Nafashis involved. It's it caused an uproar, maybe according to some, that's the reason why Israel was forced to leave Vilna. But uh, whatever the case may be, there's a big question is who's right and who's wrong. Now, what's the in- Isra involved? So one of the points of the discussion was, is there this Isra of Safinon? Which means, if a person who feels that maybe there's a, there's a Sakana involved, then of course, I can do something to prevent Sakana. But if there's no Sakana, then it's not just the Isra for the person who's eating, there's also an Isra for the person who's giving him food to eat. So that's a discussion here as well, is that this Isser of giving somebody something Osir on Yom Kippur by giving them food to eat. Another example, the same Isser comes up, 
is a person who we don't know is, is, is sick, comes to us and says, I need to eat. It's okay, I know that, but I feel I'm going to die, I need to eat. What do we do? So if we're talking about a person that we know why they're sick, or they can tell us what their condition is, and of course, there's a dinner of a khayla, a person who's sick, and a person who therefore is allowed to break the fast, and a person can become have to help. If a person collapses on Yom Kippur, or a person needs uh, needs uh, dehydrates and needs water, and we can see that, then of course, we must serve to save a person's life and bring them food or water, whatever is necessary, on Yom Kippur too. But if you're talking about a person who we don't see any sign of sickness, he doesn't claim to be sick, and he just says, I feel I'm going to die if I don't eat, what's the halach? So the halach is, it's brought in the there's a concept of lev yadeya maras nafshay, which means if a person knows himself, and if a person feels inside that this is critical for me, he's allowed to eat and drink on Yom Kippur, we assume it's the Yerei Shemayim, he's not making light of the Isra of the fast, and if he really feels that I need this to save my life, it could be he's aware of something in himself, which isn't visible on the outside. And therefore the person like that would be allowed to eat. But if they're coming to ask us what they should do, then are we allowed to give them food to eat? Because it could be that they know, and we can allow them to take food themselves, because they can claim to know that they need the food. But if we don't know that, are we allowed to feed them? Because we might be doing the Isser of giving somebody food, which is also to him, according to those who shown him, that is the Isser of Safinan, of giving somebody something which is also to them on Yom Kippur. So the chasm, what the Chassam Sefer writes is that even if we can't give it to a person, he's allowed to take food on his own. And we actually used to tell Paskin, a person who comes to ask the question, we already tell him, the Chassam Sefer says that if you feel you, you need to eat or you're going to die, you're allowed to take food on your own. It's not considered giving somebody the food. But this will go back to that same question of, there's a second instance called Safinan. Now, do we, why do we not trust the person? Now, there's someone who we know to be a Yerash someone we know to be somebody who's doesn't make light of Yisurim, definitely not Yom Kippur. And they come along and tell me, I'm telling you I need to eat. I feel I'm going to die if I don't. Why can't we believe them? Why isn't there a monos over here? So that would be a good question in the case where the person is incapable of helping themselves. Then we would have to believe them, and because of the suffix Sakana, we would have to we'd have to bring them the food or the drink. But if you're talking about a person who is able to, is ambulatory, he can move around, he can help himself as well, and is just asking us what to do, so then we have to tell him. The halacha is that if you feel that you need to de- drink or eat and otherwise you're going to die, then you can trust your own instinct and you're allowed to eat and drink and you're allowed to take food for yourself. But uh, we don't have to be over the, the potential suffix of safinan where a person doesn't need, so, so to speak, us to help him. So that's the like this we saw before. Is the issue of safinan on Yom Kippur or not? Now, what's the halacha? This is very interesting. The Magan Avram, which is quoted by the Mishabura, says that it's also there is an Issa Safinan on Yom Kippur, just like every other Issa. You know, the Sipaskans like the, the Ran and the Mashim Fantasia, not like the Benetam, and therefore he says it's an Issa of, of, of giving some, a child food on Yom Kippur as well. And that's in the case where it's not necessary for uh, a, a suffix of Sakana. So the person can point out, for example, there were those places where the people wanted to bring the children to Shon Yom Kippur, and in order to keep the children quiet or well behaved, so the people would give them a you know, national candy, whatever it is to eat, that will keep the children occupied and not disturbing. There might be an issue in that. Well, the child needs to eat because uh, we say that otherwise he's in a situation of a sakana, so they was allowed to give them. More than that, just to give them other things which they don't need might be giving them something which is also for them. 
And therefore, according to those Rishayim in the Magen Avram, who's brought in Rishaburah, who paskins like that, that there's been Issa Safina, and it's not just for the father, it would be even for other people too. To give a child food is considered, uh, according to these poskim, to be in the category of the Issa of Safina. Now, that's, that's the starting point, but let's elaborate a little bit more. We said previously that the Shulchan Aruch, quote in the Gemara, makes a distinction between two different ages of children. There are those children which are older children, a year or maybe two years before the Barabbas Mitzvah, which they're meant to be Metzanu Mashlim, which means to finish the fast. According to Shulchan Aruch, he says they're about an 11-year-old, and that's the Chinuch, because the, the, doing what an adult would be would be to fast the whole fast, and therefore we're going to Mechanech them from the age of 11 or maybe the age of 12, also to fast the whole fast. In Russian, the Rambam, when he brings Salacha also, is that it's with very Seifrim, it's Mechanech to, uh, to fast, and that is that they have to finish the fast like adults do. That's one kind of child. The other child is a child who's younger than that, from nine years old, the Shulchan Aruch says, and then we tell him to wait a little bit longer before he eats, and as Mechanechim is in the Shas, and so if he normally eats at seven in the morning, or eight or nine, or whatever the case is, we push off his eating a little bit. That's also uh, brought in the Mishnah. And the reason, the question we asked before is, what's the reason for that? Anyway, he's not going to fast the whole day. Anyway, there's no Chinuch. So why would be the reason not to give him food right away? Now, to say that because right now there's no Sakana, and there'll only be a Sakana later on when he's older, isn't really true, because we have a general rule, and that is, if something would be a Sakana, so, once again, what would the Isra by children, by making them wait longer be? In other words, it's not, if, anyway, they're not going to finish the whole fast. So we don't say that because they're going to have to break the fast in two hours' time, it's Mutter then, and it's also now, because now there's no Sakana yet, the child's not Mukhiyev anyway. So, why would there be an Isra of Safinun over here? And that's the question in the Sharat Siyan, he asks in the Magan of Rome, that we don't find the Isra of Safinon by a child who anyway doesn't have to fast. And therefore, according to the Kamat, according to that, that one would be allowed to give food to children who are younger. There's no Khashash anyway, they're not to fast. And Bichlal, we have to ask the question, what's the reason that I'm making them wait? Which is something that's interesting, I don't find, didn't find the Rishonim address directly, but I did find the Kafachayim. The Kafachayim quotes the Zayar, and the Zayar says that the Schus of children Pushing off the eating on Yom Kippur is a is a skoda nifla that they're not going to get sick in that year with Asker or something which affected the throat and it was a fatal disease for children and therefore the the we see on a spiritual level that even if it's not a halachic chiyuv of chinuch to make children wait a bit before eating but we see it as a tremendous skoda and that it protects them from illness and that's what the Kafachayim brings down that a person should make his children wait a bit before eating. It has this tremendous skull that will protect them from illness during the year. But, like I said before, it's not a halachic gather, and therefore a person is not to do that. So if the child says he's very thirsty, very hungry, even early in the morning, when a nine-year-old or a ten-year-old, the person is allowed to give them food to eat. According to the Mishnah Buru's Maskana, there's no safinah by a little child. And we have to eat And we don't to make him wait. What's brought down by the recent poskim of Yashif and Rosh Hashanah and others is that doesn't mean we have to give them food on the night of Yom Kippur. That even the child less than nine, if you aren't Ma'an shows, which means you don't make them wait at all, 
But we don't have to give them sap on Yom Kippur because they ate during the day. And therefore that's not called fasting. We just said two or three hours ago. Fasting is when a person wakes up in the morning, hasn't eaten anything yet, that's what's called fasting. So we, we don't have to delay their breakfast in the morning, but on the other hand, we, we're allowed to put them to bed at night without giving them more to eat. We already ate during the day, uh, during the Surah Sekhus, and even before that. However, there's no khiyuf. And therefore, if a little child says that they're very hungry or thirsty, they're allowed to eat at night as well, without giving them food. Uh, but uh, definitely one shouldn't make them wait in the morning, because the dinner of being ma'anish which means making them wait for a few hours before before delaying their meal, before giving the food. But delaying their meal, that's only from nine and up. And since the Ram says that less than that, there would be a shayla of a sakana, so then we have to be khoshish to that. And therefore, we shouldn't not feed little children or allow them, children who are younger than that, allow them to fast, even part of the day. Um, that's the first point. And that, Kafa uh, Chaim brings down, therefore, if a person is bringing his children to shul, and uh, the darling is only going to finish late, so then he has to bring food with them as well. Because if they're only going to go home after Musaf to break their fast, that's already quite late in the day. And uh, we've made them wait longer than they would have to. If there's a chashash that might be a sakana, so we have to bring them food so they can eat in the shul, that we don't have to do that. It is brought down, however, that a person that shouldn't eat in front of everybody else. They should find them somewhere where they're not going to disturb everybody or look like publicly like they're eating in front of everybody to eat on the side, but they're not going to fast. So that applies to, again, so to clarify the halacha, for children who are less than nine, we're not meant to make them wait at all. They, they don't have to eat them keep at night, but in the morning they can have breakfast at normal time, and there's no reason to push it off. For children who are over nine, it's brought in the Shulchan Aruch, that there is a any of man in in that, it protects them from sickness, but even then, it's a question of just a few hours, not more than that, and even if they wanted to fast longer, uh, the Mashmah Salaam is a shash of a sakana, we shouldn't let them. To give them food to eat is completely much according to Mishnah Bura, and therefore one's allowed to give them food directly because there's no Yisra about. Now we get to children who are already 11 or 12, and then the Shulchan Aruch says that, according to the Gemara, that they should fast and they should complete the fast as well. However, the Ramah argues, and the Ramah says, that Mirabah and the to be mashing the fast um, at all. And therefore, if we see that a boy is weak, or a girl is weak, and we don't think they'll be able to fast, then we don't have to make them, we don't have to make them fast, even if they're already 12. Um, then, that then, Rosh Hashanah said, even applies to the three fasts before the Barabbas Mitzvah, where it's become popular that people fast. Rosh Hashanah brought down that there's no Makar for that in the halacha, and therefore they're not mukhiyav to do that. And therefore, they're allowed to eat, uh, if, if they're weak, they're allowed to eat, even if it's within the three fasts before the Barabbas Mitzvah. The post can bring down, uh, and it's brought in the Mishnah as well, and that is, since today we consider all people to be weaker, if that's the case, any child who feels he's, he wants to eat, he needs to eat or drink, he's not strong enough to fast, so we're allowed to let them eat and drink. And that's what he brings to the Arab as well, that the Milag was the children under the Bible of Basinja didn't fast. But over here, if a child is a strong is strong and wants to fast, then we're allowed to let them. The Ramah didn't say it's also the Ramah just said that today uh, not, they aren't Mukhuyev and we can rely on that in the case of a child who's weak or who claims to be weak. Whereas if a child who wants to fast and is strong enough to fast, one's allowed to let them fast.
This is where we have the Shaila of Safinan of the of the Magan Avram, and that is somebody who could finish the fast. So for us to give them food might be giving them an issue. Now on this day, if we hold the Shulchan, according to Shulchan Aruch, and then we to fast, and for us to give them food to eat, we'll be doing an issue. Whereas according to the Ramah, where everyone has to to fast, and according to Mishnah Bura, brings Poiskim, that the Minah goes not to fast, so in the case like that, we're not Mukhayev to, uh, not to give them food, because the Mikradin are Mukhayev to fast. However, uh, if one wants to be Yetzir all the days on this, which means maybe the Ayur child is able to fast and should, then the best days would be if a child is 11 or 12, says they're hungry and they want to eat, so you tell them it's food prepared for you, go get it out the fridge or from the counter, wherever it's going to be, and they're allowed to eat. We don't let them eat. We can advise them where the food is and allow them to take it. We're not going to actually give it to them. Safinan be a daim, and that would be say even the shit that there would be a problem of Safinan in the time that they were, they, they were meant to have fasted. Now, why didn't Chazal make this chiyuv? Uh, so it's much more from the Gemara, there is a chiyuv chinuch from the year before the Barabbas Mitzvah. And therefore, the, like, and the chinuch chiyuv chinuch is the same chiyuv as an adult, which means they're mechiyuv to, to fast and to complete the fast, which is what they would do if they were already Barabbas Mitzvah. The reason why the Poeskim will make is because here also there's a chashash, and that is something which might be injurious to them, and therefore they might not be able to do, so they're not mechiyuv to mechanech them, because there's a big difference. An adult is bigger and stronger and more able to fast, and over here maybe the, the chinuch isn't, they aren't ready for that chinuch yet because they aren't able to do what they do as an, as an adult, which is why what the proposing said about a child who's weak, and for sure to the, today, that when we understand that people generally are weaker and someone claims that he can't do it, we aren't to make him because he's not, there, there is a chashash here, um, not just the den of the chinuch, not just the den of the chinuch, which uh, we want him to fast, but if it's hard for him, you might have to be bad for him, and therefore we aren't mechayev to make him fast. <coughs> well, we said previously that first you shouldn't wash children when you give it because today it's not considered revisayhu, and therefore there's no need for it. Uh, that only applies to a normal washing which someone enjoys. The idea that if a person gets dirty and they don't have to wash themselves to clean themselves applies to an adult too. If a person uh, slips in the mud on the way to shul, they don't have to wash it off and clean themselves up. It's really a child who much more likely to dirty themselves. So the nalacha is that to allow them to wash themselves and even to help wash them is mutter on your kippah. That's considered taking of dirt. It's not considered a chitzah shel which is pleasurable washing, which is awesome. Now, there's one more interesting nalacha which comes up regarding the same idea of children fasting and that is if a lady is feeding and she's okay to fast, she's not to fast but she's going to claim that if I'm going to fast I'm not going to have enough milk for the baby and the baby's not going to fast so is she allowed to drink in order to make sure that it doesn't interfere with the milk supply and the baby won't go hungry so here we have the same shayla if that's a real khashash that she's not going to have enough milk and as a result the baby's not going to have anything to eat so it's really brought down in the post game, which according to the Nebuchadnezzar Lacha, that in a case like that, the baby is not mechayev to fast, and you'll have to allow the mother to drink with certain restrictions, which we'll talk about in a minute, in order to ensure that the baby uh, doesn't run out of food. But that was the din of the Achronim, and the circumstances were when there was no alternative. However, today when there are alternatives, either if a baby can take formula or take a bottle, 
then of course we have an alternative. The baby's not going to go hungry if there's no breast milk. There are other things to feed the baby. And even those babies who are on, on allergic to formulas and dafka needs to take the mother's milk, but the mother can prepare in advance and refrigerate it and feed a bottle to the baby on your care for the baby will go hungry. And as we're always going to recommend that because it's true that the baby needs to eat and will be a if there will be no food for the baby, but it's unlikely to get to that because there are enough alternatives for the baby that the mother can still fast. Every baby is in a hospital. They have, a medic- they have various uh, nutritional alternatives uh, which they can provide, which don't necessitate the mother being there the whole time. And therefore, most times, we're not going to allow the mother to drink because there's not milk for the baby. We'll have to find an alternative for nutrition supply for the baby and allow the mother to fast. There are some rare exceptions where there aren't any alternatives. A baby who has a cleft palate or can't suck, whatever the case is, and therefore can't take a bottle. Or a baby who is sick, whatever the other case is, and for whatever reason is an intolerance to any other option. In cases like that, that the, only, the only possible food supply is the mother. And if the mother is not going to have enough milk to supply the baby, the baby is going to go hungry. So you have the same thing with the Rambam. That being ma'ana shows for a baby is the side of a sakana. You can't do that. But over here, as always, when there's an option of a sakana, which we can prevent with doing less, you're still going to do that. Here, time isn't of essence. And if we don't have to rush to do the first thing possible, we can plan for the eventuality of there not being enough milk. And the ace is going to be to get the mother to drink in a way which is not awesome with the raisa. It's only awesome with And that way we, the baby will have enough to drink and the mother won't need to break the fast under the raisa level. And what's the way to do that? This is what we tell other people who need to drink as well. And that is, even though it's often brought down to drink shurim, which means less than 30 cc's, which is the size of a cheekful of liquid every 10 minutes, but uh, that's still an issue of the raisa, even though there's no khi of chorus. What's a better option is to do something which is only awesome with Rabbanin, which is to drink something which is considered ainirayishtiya. To drink a drink which most people wouldn't want to drink, it's not considered a drinkable substance. In a case like that, the issue of drinking in kip is only with Rabbanin, and then the person can have a bigger amount because regardless of what has the shear or less or more than the shear, it's going to be the same issue the Rabbanan, which is what we're going to advise people. And therefore the answer is to drink a drink which is not considered Rodishtir. What's in the category of Anirodishtir? So people usually take us to extremes and they drink water with soap inside or other things like that. And it's 100% true that it's not Rodishtir, but people can't drink it. People can't drink it and those people who do force themselves to drink it usually throw it out, so it has zero benefit for anybody, not for the person who's filled with air drowning, definitely not for the baby who needs the milk. And therefore what we need to do is find something which is people can stomach and will be able to hold down, but at the same time no one wants to drink, it has an unpleasant taste to it, not extreme, but enough that people won't want to drink it, and then there will only be an issue of one drinking your kefir. The aids of which the person can always drink down is to use a fruit tea, uh, make a very strong mixture before Yom Kippur without sugar and then it will cool down because most people don't enjoy the flavor of a strong unsweetened cold fruity. It's not something undrinkable or something to make a person sick. It's also not good idea to use caffeine because that's the diuretic and will make people need more liquid. But this is something which works as a source of liquid which uh, has the effect of stopping dehydration or providing the body the ability to make milk for the baby without being something which would be the category of an isodoracid because the taste isn't pleasant and people wouldn't want to drink it.
that's our, and therefore that, that, that in a case like that, when there's no alternative for the baby, that would be the eitzer, that would be the eitzer for the mother to drink in a, in a way like that. That would uh, ensure that the baby still has enough nutrients. Once again, if the baby can't take the formula, or some, or the mother can store more for beforehand, and for sure that's the best alternative. And we don't have to mechadol and kipadol. One, one last point on this idea, and that is when it's not necessarily get directly to children, if you're already talking about the halacha of things which aren't called roi l'shteh, which aren't called drinkable, and then the zani is in so there's a category beyond that. And that is something which is not called food. Something which is not called food, and then it seems that there's no isra at all. It's not in the category of eating, and uh, we made it, there would be no isra at all in doing a new kippah. And therefore, if a person... And this often gets asked if persons have medication, are they allowed to take medication in your kit? So now the rule is like this. Firstly, there's an Isra every Shabbos of taking medication too. Not because it's also to eat, but because the Chazal made a Gzaira not to take medication on Shabbos or Yantif for a person who's not very sick, and others are not sick enough that they have to lie down, because we're scared they're going to crash or grind the spices or the herbs to make the medication. And therefore, a person has a headache, or a person has like a Tylenol, or something like that, or a person's throat's dry, and they want to take some kind of uh, throat lozenge on, on Shabbos, it's also, and for sure, it's going to be also in Kippur as well. We're talking now about medicine where a person really is sick, or a person's on a treatment, or a person using medicine as a, something which stabilizes their heart rate, or their blood pressure, or anything like that. So in cases like that, where a person is allowed to take medicine, they're considered a chayle, what's the in Kippur? So, of course, it goes without saying that those conditions which, if a person wouldn't medicate, would be life-threatening or even potentially so, it's for sure much to take medicine on your keeper too. The question is, what about those medicines which are helpful for whatever they're taking care of, but the person won't die if he leaves that for a day? What's it then over there? So, we're talking about a capsule or a pill or something like that which isn't sweetened. The halacha, the person can say, it's not called food. And therefore, in the case where it's not an issue of taking medication because the person is a chayla or a person needs it as part of a course, a person would be allowed to take it on your kippur too. That's not called food. And therefore, if so goes so far, we remember the child of somebody who claimed that he, had, he was so ADHD that without taking a written on your kippur, he wouldn't be able to read the words out of the maqsa. He wouldn't be able to focus his eyes on the page. We motivate him to take the tablet on your kippur because even though it's definitely not life-threatening, but it's not considered food. And if that's the case, one would uh, would not be doing anything wrong by eating it in a kippah, also something which a person takes every day, and therefore we have a head to ask the medication in shops. If that's the case, why can't people take nutrition supplements, entry or something like that in a kippah too? Why would we say that's mutter? If it's taking tablets are not called food, the answer is poshets. There's two ways we, we define food. The one is as we call hanas which means the pleasure one gets in tasting the food and swallowing it. Another is Dainos which means the fat that gives the, the nutrition that it gives the person, the energy it gives the person. Either one is awesome. And therefore, even something which has no taste and enjoyment in swallowing it, like swallowing a pill, but if it's a nutrition capsule or something like that, so then there'd be an isurin because of the benefit that it gives the person by absorbing the nutrients. And therefore, that would be Osirin Yom Kippur. Whereas taking medication doesn't really sustain the person or give them nourishment. It takes care of a specific issue, therefore there's no hanas in chayich bagar, there's no enjoyment in eating the pill, it's not sweet, and there's no hanas in the it doesn't get satisfied by the pill, and therefore we mutter to take. 
If a person claims that they can't take pills without water, they just can't swallow them, so now it goes back to what we said before, which means it has to be a real sakana. Because in a case where without the pill, a person would be in danger, so then of course, in the case of a sakana or even a suffix sakana, we allow a person to break your kippah, and therefore to have a sip of water to swallow the pill, which they need to prevent a life-threatening condition is mutter, just like anything else which would help you, which would be worth in the case of sakana. In a case where it's not a sakana, but it's part of a course, or whatever the case would be, so in a case, now, stam to take pills and kippah we don't allow, or if a person needs to take water for it, but if, let's say, it's something which is stabilizing a person's blood pressure, or things like that, which we don't want to lose that steady, so to speak, control, so that is going to be said before. Which means if a person makes a, a drink which isn't considered that drinkable, then there's only an issue of Rabbanan. And if that's the case, it's much less chomer to drink it, uh, just a sip of it, to take down the pill on your kippah. It goes without saying that even if a person, for whatever reason, had to eat or drink something on your kippah, it doesn't mean that now the rest of the day they can eat and drink as much as they want. It's only what's necessary. It's still a faster. That's for sure true for an adult. And the last thing you're going to finish it, that the post can say this applies to children too. And therefore, if we need to give them to eat, we're going to have to give them. But uh, that doesn't mean that now once they've eaten, they can eat as much as they want the rest of the day. And now they should, if they're no longer need to eat, then they should, we're going to have to give them extra. And as we said previously, if there's the Isra of Safinan, which means giving somebody something which is positive, according to those poskim who hold that, that would apply to giving children food in your kippah too, so then to give them food just without limit might be a shara there too. Obviously, it doesn't have to measure exactly how much a child needs. They'd rather eat what's a normal meal for them. But then once they've eaten, to have extra snacks or whatever else for the rest of the day uh, is not necessarily mutter. Like I said previously, even if a person wants to use it as a way to keep his child quiet, so that he won't interfere with the davening, it's not adv- advisable. Maybe children like that should be not from more to show, and they won't interfere with davening, and not that a person has to uh, give them an extra food, which is not necessarily uh, necessary for them. I'm just finished with one last point, and that is the you said that we saw that that uh, children. Uh, don't need to fast in the kippah. I saw that the police came to bring down the fire for this. And that is because fasting the kippah is a kapara. And children aren't yet culpable for what they do. So they don't have any avarice. As far as the Shem is concerned, they don't need a kapara. And therefore, there's no chenuch for fasting because they aren't makhluk to fast. It's not kapara. This fire is brought down by the Akhrenim. And I don't understand it. Firstly, I argue with the Gemara. The Gemara says there was a need to make children fast. And not only that, even younger children aren't able to fast to make them wait before they eat. If you're going to say, if there's no reason for kapara, there's no reason to fast, so why do the Gemara, the of children of 11 and 12 to fast? And so, that's my, that's a question on these Akhranim. But really, I don't even think that this is correct. The poets can bring down that the reason we fast in Kippur isn't just for kapara. There are times we fast for kapara, but in Kippur, the fasting is for something else. And this is brought in Tanad Veli, at the period of Rebeliezer, and that is, the point of fasting in Kippur is to be more like a malach. Of course, there's also the element of kapara, but there's also the element of taira. We want to distance ourselves from physicality, we want to act more spiritually, we want to connect more to the level of being like a malach. And therefore, even if theoretically we've done no avarice, we're still fasting in Kippur. Because that's our ability to connect to a level of spirituality which we aren't able to do the rest of the year, when we're confined to being in a more physical state, or in a more physical setup. And that could apply to children too. 
other habit. Children can also experience the Hisalus of Yom Kippur. Children can also experience the Ruchnis of Yom Kippur. Children can also connect to the Tire of Yom Kippur. They're more tired if they have less of errors. And there's no reason they also, if they're able to fast, and so what, the 11 or the 12 year old is strong enough and is able to fast, they're going to get that spiritual connection from Yom Kippur too. If that's the case, if there wouldn't be a reason for children not to fast because they've got the Averis on the contrary. Somewhere like that, maybe it's even easier for them to reach higher levels of, of connection to Ruchnius. And we may if that becomes something which children can achieve on Yom Kippur, just like adults. And that is the Hisalus and the Tyra. And the, high, the ability to connect to a higher level that the day brings.